following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So, praise the Lord for that. And uh, if anyone has any questions about what, uh, what we read in this or in the, um, in the study itself, please feel free to reach out and be happy to talk with you. I know uh, we've had lots of discussions about the Apostles' Creed and some of the things that are said in there. Um, uh, so I'd be happy to, to talk with anyone who has questions about those, about those things. So for now, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Um, we're going to start at verse 37, and that's on page 870 in the Pew Bibles. Um, <clears throat> Like I said, we've had a wonderful week of VBS. Um, we spent a lot of time focused on the Apostles' Creed, uh, which is a declaration of faith that has been used in the church um, since around the second century. There's a lot of discussion and um, debate on when the Apostles' Creed was written. Um, but things like the Apostles' Creed can be dangerous. Um, while they are useful tools to help us summarize the basic teaching of the Christian faith, they can easily become just an empty religious ritual. Um, and while there are groups that faithfully recite the creeds as part of their weekly worship gathering, the temptation is to simply go through the motions and, and, and what was once living becomes dead and just empty and devoid of life altogether. And that's kind of the focus of our text this morning in Luke chapter 11. So let's look at verses 37 through 41. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for the freedom that we enjoy to read your word together, to pray, to sing, to study, to worship. Lord, we ask now that your spirit would speak that our ears would be open and our hearts would be soft to hear and receive your message for us today. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word of God is like a mirror. Sometimes when we look into it intently, we don't always like what we see looking back at us. And that's what this passage is for me. I, I look here and I, I don't always like what I see looking back. In this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Jesus' main concern was their hypocrisy. Um, the Greek word for hypocrisy, uh, it means to pretend. It means to play a part, to, to act. In fact, the whole idea of acting in general 
um, was the invention of a man named Hippocrates. You might recognize his name. Hippocrite is what his name was. And in our context here, it is clearly the hiding of interior wickedness behind the appearance of virtue. Right? So Jesus is invited to lunch by one of the Pharisees whose motivation we can only guess at. You know, whether he was actually interested in what Jesus had to say, um, or maybe he wanted to get him to stop speaking to the crowd and get him inside the house and maybe fewer people would hear him there. Um, or maybe he wanted, the Pharisee wanted to be seen, uh, as more favored by getting Jesus to come to his house. Like, he didn't come to your house, but hey, guess who I had to lunch, right? Right? Maybe he was just trying to trap Jesus in something he said. We don't know. We do know that the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law tried very hard um, to trap Jesus. And we'll see that in the end of, the, of this chapter. It states that explicitly. What we don't know, or what we do know, sorry, is that it didn't take Jesus very long to expose the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, if you read the rest of Luke chapter 11, uh, it will say lawyers, um, and it's, that's not the same as trial lawyers, so um, you're off the hook. <laughs> They're teachers of the law, so religious experts. The Pharisees had a way of adding their own rules to the law of God. Like, what God gave us isn't quite enough. Like, we've got, okay, we've got the Ten Commandments, right? We're clear on that. But, you know, just in case, um, you know, just in case we got close to violating one of those, we're going to make another rule that, that just keeps us a little bit further away. You know, in fact, we're going to add another rule that keeps us a little bit further from, from that one. So we really, really know that we're well, – actually, let, let's just do one more, right, so, so that we're really clear – wait, just – Maybe we'll just kind of add another one just to keep us, just to be safe, right? In fact, one more, one more ought to be, right? What's the fourth commandment? (laughs) Keep the Sabbath holy. Keep the Sabbath holy, right? So to protect the Sabbath day, we're going to keep it holy. We're not going to do any work on the Sabbath, right? That's what the Bible says. That's what the law says. We're not going to do any work on the Sabbath. Well, what's work? Well, I mean, work is work, right? We can understand that. Like, work is work. Well, maybe walking too far is, is work. So we're going to say, look, you can take 230 strides from home before you're working. So that means, what does that mean? Where do they go on the Sabbath? They go to the synagogue, right? It's a pattern that we follow here. Sunday's not the Sabbath. We have a whole discussion about that. Um, but they have to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, right? Well, if the if a Sabbath day's walk is only so many steps, what does that mean? That means you can't live further than that many steps away from the synagogue, or you can't go. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to hang some some string and put some flags up so you know that if you're within that line, you can still 
feel free to, to walk to the synagogue on the Sabbath day without violating the law. What a great idea. We really don't want to violate God's law, do we? No, so let's make up a bunch of other rules to really, really, really make sure. Well, it sounds silly, but almost okay, right? Uh, well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> right? The Pharisees, they wrote a whole nother book, right? Um, a whole nother book of rules called the Mishnah, which you can still get and you can still read. Um, and it included all kinds of rules um, about how many steps you could go on the Sabbath. And Jesus exposed this hypocrisy, said, look, if your sheep falls in a hole on the Sabbath, are you going to leave it there until the next day? No, you're going to go get it, right? So stop criticizing us for for doing things on the Sabbath that you don't like. When God did not say you can't rub uh, kernels of wheat together for a snack on the Sabbath. That's, that's not work. That's... The mission includes all kinds of rules for proper hand washing. This is a great, this is a great example. I've already gone way longer on this thought than I should, but I'm going to do more because it's, I just think it's funny. Like if you, you ritually wash your hands before you eat, so you pour over, pour water over this hand, but this hand is unclean. This hand is now clean. And if you pick up the pitcher and Oh, now you touched something that's unclean because t- it was cl- here. clean, unclean pitcher, clean water, clean hand, clean pitcher, clean water, clean hand. Whew. Oh, rats. Oh, unclean. <laughs> it sounds silly, mostly because I'm silly, but those that's the reality. It's an absolute truth. and And the Jewish people... We're following these rules and following these laws, and some still do. So when Jesus sits down to eat and doesn't wash his hands in the Pharisee's house, this is what he's saying. It's not like you've been working out in the garage and your hands are all greasy and you don't want to pick up your peanut butter and jelly sandwich because your food will get greasy. There's a whole, it doesn't taste good, right? Yeah. When, when the film on top of your coffee is blue, don't drink that anymore, right? When Jesus didn't sit down it didn't wash his hands before he eat. He didn't violate the law, but he did violate the traditions of the Pharisees, right? He did violate their rules. Our favorite theologian, J.J. Van Oosterzee, he wrote, Pharisaism, being a Pharisee, far from being a merely accidental form of Judaism at that time, is on the other hand, the natural revelation of the sinful condition of the heart when men will not give up the hope of becoming righteous before God by their virtue and merits. They are proud of that which they imagine themselves to possess and continually and are continually inclined to assume the guise of that which they well know they do not possess. A mouthful for sure. We like to think that we're good. We like to think that we are good before God because why wouldn't God think I'm good? I mean, I'm me. He must love that, right? I do all of these things. God must love that about me. 
I don't have to worry about repenting of my sin. I do all of these things. I follow all of these rules. I don't, I don't smoke or drink or swear or chew, and I will not date girls that do. <laughs> right? The word of God had, had plainly taught them how to walk with God, but they rejected God's way of walking by faith and added all kinds of outward effort to try and prove their own righteousness. That's well, a good thing we don't do that. Good thing nobody does that anymore. We might laugh that off as silly, but sometimes we're just as guilty. Sometimes I'm just as guilty. The Pharisee was astonished to see that Jesus did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Now think about the ridiculousness of this picture. It's impossible to separate the inside of the cup from the outside. You can't. If the inside is, if the outside is clean, but the inside is dirty, it's still unsuitable for use, right? You have cereal bowls at your house? Those of you with kids? Right? That outside of that bowl that's been sitting on the table since yesterday afternoon might be clean. Are you going to eat cereal out of that bowl? Not in its present condition. Thank you very much. All right. The outside is clean, but the inside is dirty. It is still unsuitable for use. Again, Van Oosterzee says, since God has created the inside as well as the outside, one as much as the other must be held holy. And it is not only evil, but foolish to wish to separate them, even in thought to say nothing of act, that which in the nature of things is absolutely inseparable. The Pharisees were guilty of hypocrisy. It was their main thing. They claimed to be clean because they appeared clean on the outside. Right? They had the approval of people, of everyone around them, and that's what mattered to them. You see the problem? John Calvin said, having no desire for purity except before the eyes of men, as if they had not to deal with God, the chief reason why men are deceived is that they do not consider that they have to deal with God, or they transform him according to the vanity of their senses, as if there were no difference between him and mortal man. This kind of religious hypocrisy, ignoring the eyes of God in favor of the eyes of man, or imagining that God doesn't see or doesn't really care what's going on on the inside. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Not just hypocrisy, because if you fool people, so what? But if you imagine that God does not care about what's going on the inside of you, the word for that is idolatry. What's the second commandment? You won't make any idols, right? 
We'll make a graven, carve a graven image for you to bow down to. What exactly are we doing when we say that God does not care about holiness? We're making a different God. We're making a God in an image that is more pleasing to us, a little more easy for us to deal with. That's idolatry. To make, to make any attempt to make God to make, to, sorry, any attempt to make God out to be any way other than he represents himself to be in the Bible is idolatry. It's an attempt to create God in our own image. If we imagine that a God that is all love and mercy, but is in no part righteous or just or holy, that's exactly what we're doing. We're imagining a God that is not real. The Pharisees' main concern was what they did versus what they were. What they did versus what they were. When what we do does not match what we are, and what we are does not match what we do, we're hypocrites, right? Playing a role, just like them. Jesus said, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. The Pharisees already had in the word of God what they needed to live by faith. They had what they needed to walk with God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, in case you're unaware, is in the Old Testament, which the Pharisees had. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what they needed to know, to walk by faith. And the Pharisees had neglected justice and mercy and humility, and we'll look at that Uh, more closely next time, as there's a lot to say about that subject. But here's what's really bothering me. This is what really bothers me about this passage, because it's truly a mirror. There are two things, because I don't like three-point sermons. (laughs) First, that it is far too easy for us to clean up the outside of our own dishes and be content with that. As long as other people see that we're just, that we're doing the religious stuff, we're going to church, we're doing the events, we're carrying our Bibles around, right? We're just being known around town uh, or at work for, for being part of the church. That we're all set as if we never had to contend with God over the issue of our own personal righteousness. Is that is that okay? It's, it's not. To live this way is beyond foolish. What good is it to fool the eyes of people when we will still one day have to stand before God and answer for our own righteousness? What good is that? You, you fooled me. Oh, <laughs> good for you. That's not hard. I am not that smart. But it happens all the time. We're guilty of it personally. I am guilty of it all the time. 
Because I have you fooled. You still think I'm good. Except for Linda. She knows, right? (laughs) Apart from true faith in Jesus Christ, we will stand alone before God and answer for our sin. When we have faith in Jesus, he intercedes for us. And when God looks at us, he sees him instead. He sees Christ's righteousness imputed to us. We're covered through faith in Jesus. If we don't have faith in Jesus, if we're counting on our religious efforts, we're counting all the rules that we follow, we're counting on all the things that people think about us, when we stand before God, we will stand there alone and we will be condemned. Well, if that doesn't bother you, the second thing will. The second thing that bothers me is just as the Pharisees were content with the outside appearance of cleanness, we are often content to not only appear outwardly clean, but to assume that everyone else is clean too. I might be reading into this. This might not be exegesis. This might be eisegesis. I might be adding things that are not here. So I make that uh, I make that disclaimer ahead of time. But let me ask you the question: What would happen if you were really willing to show others what was inside of your dish? What would happen? if you were willing to show that you're not okay? What would happen if you loved enough to look into someone else's dish and and maybe speak to them and help them? My fear is that if you really knew me, what was inside of my cup and my dish, you wouldn't listen to me preach at all. And my fear is also that if I knew the inside of your cup and your dish, I might not want to preach to you. (laughs) Do you really know each other? Do you really know what's going on inside? Or is it just come here Shiny, happy people in our shiny plastic steeple, which our steeple actually is plastic, which I think is ironic, right? Are, are we okay with that? I'm not. Look, I love Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I've been imputed with his righteousness. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus, but I'm still a mess. If you're honest, so are you. Now, praise God that unlike the Pharisees, through faith in Jesus, our sins are washed away. And in God's sight, we have been made clean. Right? We're, we're going to celebrate that in a few minutes with another baptism. Isn't that great? <laughs> but if that's not you today... I would encourage you to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Accept that his death on the cross was for you. He took your place on the cross so that your sins could be washed away. 
through faith in him alone, trusting in him alone. But likewise, I would also encourage you to no longer count on your outward appearance to be content with just tricking people into thinking you're okay. It's useless to try to fool people into thinking you're fine when you're not. Let's be honest. So now we're going to have a baptism. And we're going to celebrate the washing away of sins, right? And uh, so if you're baptized, you can go get ready. We're, uh, Caroline's going to lead us in a couple of songs so I don't have to jump into the baptismal tank with my guitar. Um, let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for your great love for us. We're so thankful that you have cleansed the inside as well as the outside of our cup and our dish through faith in Jesus. We thank you that our sins are dealt with and our our wickedness has been washed away in your sight. But Lord, we're still inclined to sin and to do all evil. And it seems like that washing seems to be continually necessary. But Lord, we know that your death on the cross and our, and our faith in you, we are, we are justified completely. We are washed completely forever. No matter how much we sin, our, those sins are already forgiven. The sins we're going to commit tomorrow are already forgiven. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, I do pray also that you would help us to be real with one another. We don't have to fake it till we make it. If we're struggling with something, if we're just not okay, pray that we would share that burden with our family here. That we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, we're so thankful that you bore the burden for our sin. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.